Hello, and welcome back to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to have you here with me for this film and entertainment industry podcast. This is a big episode today. I'm very excited about it. I've officially hit 20 episodes of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. That's really exciting for me as I started this and on a whim as a hobby because I love talking about movies and to be able to be here talking about movies for 20 straight episodes is a really big accomplishment. It's something I'm proud of. It's something that I've really enjoyed doing and I look forward to continuing to do. I want to do something special for my 20th episode. I've Since my last episode, 19, I only saw one new movie that was Haunted Mansion, so there will be a review for that eventually, but... Like I said, I want to do something different. I want to do something fun and exciting to kind of mark 20 episodes. It's a big deal. So what I'm going to do today is I have four different top five lists. It's going to be 20 movies that I talk about. I think this will be a lot of fun. It'll give some insight into who I am as a movie viewer, how my movie going experience throughout my life has changed and what has been some pivotal movies for me throughout that time. As always, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sidekick Critic. Once again, I continue giving free advertising to Letterboxd. Follow me in there at Sidekick Critic. That's where I watch all. That's not where I watch. That's where I rate every single movie I watch, whether I'm watching it at home, on a plane, like I'll probably do in a couple hours, in the theater. Every single movie I watch gets logged on Letterboxd. So you can kind of get an idea of what I may be talking about in an upcoming episode and watch the movie yourself to see if you want to hear me talk about it and give your thoughts to me. So, like I said, four top five lists. I'm going to do some honorable mentions for each list as it's very hard to limit lists to a top five, but we are going to do our best. So, those top five lists that I'm going to talk about today are going to be my top five MCU movies, my top five animated movies, my top five movies of this year so far, and my top five movies all time. Now, I don't think any of these are the best of MCU animated in any category. It's my favorite. It's what means the most to me. There's specific reasons for each, so I'll talk through those a bit. So, without further ado, let's go right into these lists. I'm going to start today with my top five MCU movies. When I was coming up with the idea for doing these top five lists, the MCU movies was an instant ad for me because Marvel movies is really what signified a change for me in wanting to watch movies in theaters. It was years of going to Marvel movies and watching them in theaters, seeing a couple of them multiple times in theaters that really shaped my movie-going experience. And for me, allowed me to say, wow, I think watching movies at theaters is so much better. I'm not distracted by anything in my house. I'm not getting up at all. There's no phone to distract me and cause me to miss something and have to rewind. It was really just me and the movie and an hour and a half to two hours for some Marvel movies up to three hours of I'm going to engross myself in this film fully. Nothing else will have my attention. I'll be fully focused on this. And because of that, the Marvel movies will always hold a special place for me. Yes, I'm a nerd. So there's that aspect of it that I I will always love Marvel. I'm a Marvel fanboy over DC. So that's why I'm doing Marvel here. But it is a lot more than just being a nerd for me. It's Marvel's what really kicked off my movie-loving experience. So, without further ado, my top five Marvel movies. Honorable mention here is going to be Iron Man 2. 
Many people call it one of the worst Marvel movies. I love Iron Man 2. One day I will talk about it because of how much I love it, but that does not crack the top five still. All right. At number five, Captain America the Winter Soldier. This movie is so down to earth. It's a smaller scale, and I love that. It feels different than a lot of the other Marvel movies, especially when looking at the recent Phase 4 and 5 movies. It has a spy movie aspect to it that I love, but I think Marvel really has not utilized enough. In a superhero world, there's always going to be spies, and they should do more spy movies, as The Winter Soldier is great. It has some of the best action sequences and fight choreography across the MCU. I cannot recommend The Winter Soldier enough. It is will always be a quick and easy rewatch for me when it comes to Marvel movies. At number four, we have Avengers Infinity War. This was the most ambitious superhero movie without a doubt. The decision to bring together all of these different characters in this big culminating piece was a really bold choice for Marvel to put their faith in Anthony and Joe Russo and say, we believe you can make this what ended up being a two-part epic that tells this amazing story, is satisfying, gives justice to countless characters, and really is the culmination of what we've spent over 10 years working on. And Infinity War did that completely. It succeeded without a doubt. Infinity War, obviously, before Endgame, was the first to really say, okay, this isn't just a small-scale culmination. When you look at event, the first Avengers, that was more of a small-scale culmination. Infinity War took all these different storylines, these characters who never even came close to interacting, and said, we're going to put you all together to tell one cohesive story. And then ending the movie with this big sense of complete dread was brilliant. It really set the tone and is... There's an argument to be made that Infinity War is the best MCU movie, but it's not my favorite. I still love it. Number four, Avengers Infinity War. At number three, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The most recent Marvel movie came out earlier this year. Could have been in my top five movies this year, but I'm not doubling up on any movies. So it lands firmly at number three in my top five MCU movies. And it's this movie is everything. It is an amazing send-off for this very fun group of characters. It's heartfelt. James Gunn told his story the way he wanted to tell it, and he couldn't have done any better. I think it's arguably the best trilogy finale within the MCU. It gives all the character stories justice, and their arcs wrap up in a way that makes sense and stays true to the characters, and I love it. It's gut-wrenching at times. It's hilarious at times. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, my number three top MCU movie. At number two, which may be a surprise to some people, Thor Ragnarok. I, I think this is probably my most rewatched MCU movie. It completely revitalized the Thor character. Of the original six Avengers, Thor was arguably the bottom of the list on people's favorites. His first two movies were not big commercial or critical successes comparatively within the MCU. And the character just needed some new life in it. It needed to be revitalized. And Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth made... Thor Ragnarok, and it was perfect. Every aspect of the movie, it's hilarious when it needs to be hilarious. It's very serious when it needs to be. It has a great villain. The stakes are perfectly scaled for what the movie is, and it fits very well within the Thor trilogy. I I love Thor Ragnarok. Like I said, it's probably my most watched MCU movie. 
There was a time when I was living by myself that I would throw Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok on to fall asleep. And I'd end up watching the entire two-hour movie because I just loved it that much. So it will always... I think it'll stay number two for a long time. I don't see anything supplanting it anytime soon. All right. The big one. My number one MCU movie, Avengers Endgame. I don't think this was ever a question for someone like me who loves the MCU as much as I do. The first time I saw it and then subsequent times I saw it in the theaters, I cried multiple times. It was over 10 years of movie watching that led to this moment 10 years in theaters countless times seeing them with my dad with my friend danny it just evolved into something that was bigger than just a movie for me and this was the pinnacle of all that it tied it all together so beautifully it had this ending that was at times incredibly sad but also incredibly hopeful and for marvel to be able to do that to elicit that emotion Nothing says I'm a nerd more than crying multiple times at a comic book movie, but I did because they just wrapped up these stories so well. Everything came full circle. Avengers Endgame will always be my favorite Marvel movie because of my specific attachments to those characters and how many of their storylines wrapped up. So that's my top five MCU movies. At number five, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. At number four, Avengers Infinity War. At number three, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. At number two, Thor Ragnarok. And at number one, Avengers Endgame. All right, moving on. Next, I'm going to talk about my top five animated movies. I do love animated movies. I think they can be severely underrated at times. I think people write them off as childish when they shouldn't. So that's where this list comes from because a lot of them do mean something to me. The honorable mention in my top five animated movies goes to Zootopia. It's What's not to love about it? It's original. It's unique. I love Zootopia, but it doesn't quite crack the list. Okay. My top five animated movies at number five, The Incredibles. This movie really holds a special place for me when I look back on my childhood. There's one year for Halloween. My family dressed up as The Incredibles. My dad was Mr. Incredible. My mom was Elastigirl, my sister was Violet, and I was Dash, right around the Incredibles phase, and I've always loved that movie. I thought it was a great, unique twist on superhero movies to do it in a family, animated way. I I cannot say enough good things about The Incredibles. It is at number five, not because of any faults of its own, but because I think the other ones I mentioned here are better. At number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This movie, I remember the first time I saw it in theaters, it felt like it was ripped straight out of a comic book. It brought comic books to life in a way I didn't know many movies, any movie could. And the characters it introduced are iconic. It was my introduction to Miles Morales, to Gwen Stacy, to all these different variations of Spider-Man. And I cannot say enough good things. The Spider-Verse trilogy, when it finishes, I think is going to be one of my favorite trilogies. One day I'll have to go through my superhero trilogies and... I'll have to contend with the fact that Spider-Verse may be number one because Into the Spider-Verse is an amazing film. If you have not watched it, you should. You don't have to have seen any other Spider-Man movies or superhero movies or comic book movies. You could go into this completely blind and have a good time. Moving on, my number three animated movie is Moana. I cannot tell you how many times I've screamed How Far I'll Go, and You're Welcome in My Car. Uh, Those two songs are iconic. The movie is just so pure and so much fun with so much heart. 
I think it's the best new movie Disney has put out in the last 10 years, honestly. I think Moana is amazing. I'm a little worried about the live action they're going to do, but we're not talking about that here. We're focusing on the animated movie. The Rock is great in it. I, I cannot say enough good things about Moana. I think everyone should watch it. It it really does tell a great story, and it is such a good time. The songs are so much fun to sing along to. I think if you watch it, you'll walk out after. You'll leave your house, or the next day you'll be in your car, and you'll want to sing How Far I Go, or you're welcome. Moving on, my number two animated movie, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This movie, I watched it recently after... The Oscars, when Pinocchio won Best Animated Feature, and I went in not wanting to like it because I wanted a different movie to win, but I love Pinocchio. Every change he made in the story I thought was genius. The stop-motion style was gorgeous. The movie is truly gorgeous, and at times it was really gut-wrenching. While at other times it told a beautiful story, I cannot say enough good things about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I think a lot of people didn't watch this movie because they thought, you know, I've seen Pinocchio. I've seen it so many times. I don't need to rewatch the story to know something I already know. That's not the case with this Pinocchio. I think you should absolutely watch it. Give it the attention it deserves. You really have to pay attention to enjoy this movie, but it is beautiful. I fully deserving of its Academy Award. I have no qualms with that now. My number one animated movie is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. This was the movie I wanted to beat Pinocchio for Best Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. Alas, I can understand why Pinocchio won, but Marcel was... I never thought I could care so much about a small little shell with shoes. It's such a beautiful story. The shell is adorable. I... Like I said, I grew to care about it so quickly. I connected deeply with the story because of my grandmother and what she went through with her Alzheimer's. And I think everyone should watch Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. It's about 90 minutes long and it's fun, it's silly, it's light, and it is beautiful. It's my number one animated film and I don't know what will ever replace it at number one. That's my top five animated movies. At number five, The Incredibles. At number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. At number three, Moana. At number two, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And my top animated film is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Okay, we're moving on. I'm excited about this list. This is going to be my top five movies of this year so far. You've heard me talk about every single one of these movies so far this year. And you might have a good guess of what my top five movies might be. But I'm really excited to talk about these because I think people should watch them. Some of them are still in theaters. You should go and watch them in theaters. Some are available to watch at home. So you should watch at home as soon as you can. Others you may have to wait a bit. But when they're available, you should absolutely watch them. My honorable mention in this category goes to Creed 3. You don't need to have watched any of the other Creed or Rocky movies to be able to enjoy and understand this. An amazing directorial debut from Michael B. Jordan. I loved Creed 3, but it doesn't crack the top five. So, my top five movies of this year. At number five, Jules. I just watched this recently, so maybe it's recency biased, but it really struck a chord with me because of my grandmother, like I mentioned on my previous episode for you. It's, it's not being talked about about enough at all. The movie is silly when it needs to be. It's very serious when it needs to be. It hits 
every single note almost perfectly. Ben Kingsley is amazing in it. I think you should watch Jules. If you're bored on midday Sunday looking for something to do, go watch Jules. You will not regret it. You'll walk out of the theater saying, wow, that was better than I thought. I didn't know what I was getting myself in for, but I loved it. Because that's how I felt and that's how the people I saw it with felt. At number four, Past Lives. I said it before, I'll say it again. This was the most authentic story I've seen this year. The acting performances are amazing. It's I'm surprised that a movie such as this made it into my top five because it's not fun, so to say. It's very serious. It's very down to earth. It's filled with a lot of heart, that authenticity. I'll keep saying that word because it is the most accurate way to describe it. Past Lives was really struck me. When we walked out of the theater, we're all like, wow, that's we need to sit with that. We need to think about it, reflect on it. And the movie has gotten tons of love from critics. It did better commercially than many people thought it would, though it didn't do great comparatively to big blockbusters. But it's good for these original, unique stories to be told outside of big blockbusters and superhero movies and comic book movies. Past Lives was incredible. It's not available to stream yet, but as soon as it is, you should watch this movie and pay attention to it. Give it the time and attention it deserves. Half of it's in Korean, but that almost adds to the movie because it forces you to fully pay attention to it. At number three, Oppenheimer. This, I said it before, this movie is a masterclass of filmmaking. It's Christopher Nolan put together such a well-made film. You can feel the quality with each scene, with the sound, with the score, with the cinematography. Killeen Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. are amazing in it. The cast is deep. It's... I I remember walking out of the movie because it's not... It's another movie that's not fun. It's good. And I remember walking out of the movie and I wasn't quite sure what my thoughts were on it yet. And my fiance Abigail asked me, okay, you're not sure what you liked or loved. What did you dislike about it? And the only thing I, I paused and I thought about it and I said, nothing. And for a three-hour epic biopic about a nuclear physicist to strike me like that, to be able to think about it and say, there's nothing I disliked, that is such a good movie. And I think it'll stay within my top five come the end of the year because it is so, so well-made and acted and filmed and Ludwig Göransson's score has been trending on TikTok and Instagram for a couple months now. Oppenheimer firmly at number three. At number two, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's one of the few times a sequel improves on the original movie. For how much I loved Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse took it up a level in every way, shape, and form. I'm so excited for the finale of that story. Across the Spider-Verse, it just, I, I saw it twice because I walked out of the theater and I was like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. There's one change I would have made, but it was so fun. I'm excited to be able to watch it at home when it becomes available eventually. Across the Spider-Verse may have been my number two animated movie, but I'm not doubling up. I absolutely loved it. You should watch the Spider-Verse. The two movies start to get ready for the trilogy finale because... They're so much fun, ripped straight out of a comic book. If you were a kid who even picked up a comic book once, you'll be able to feel that and you'll enjoy it. And it's a great twist on the Spider-Man story and introducing the general populace to Miles Morales in a way it had not previously 
No. But it's not number one. My number one movie of the year so far is Barbie. If I've talked about it once, I've talked about it a million times now, Barbie was the most fun I've had at the movies this year and probably will stay my number one movie. It tells a really important message, but really it's a matter of Greta Gerwig working with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling put together a movie that was just a blast. We saw it twice and we didn't regret it at all. I would go see it a third time if someone who hadn't seen it said, hey, I want to go see this, but I need to see it with someone because it's amazing. It's going to be the biggest box office movie this year when the year ends without a doubt. It's going to be the year that the movie that 2023 is remembered for. When we look back on this year in 10 years, we'll look back and say, oh, that was the year of Barbie and Oppenheimer will be right there with it. I, I cannot say enough good things about Barbie. I think I've mentioned it in every episode since I watched it as I'm following the box office for it because that's an added aspect for me of why I've enjoyed it so much. It's made over a billion dollars. It's only the ninth movie, I think, since COVID to make a billion, which is huge. It's the first movie solo directed by a female to make a billion dollars. Go watch Barbie if you haven't seen it. I have a feeling if you're listening to this podcast, you've absolutely seen Barbie. But if you haven't, you need to go watch it. My number one movie of the year. And that's my top five this year at number five, Jules. At number four, Past Lives. At number three, Oppenheimer. At number two, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And at number one, Barbie. It's been a really good year of movies for me personally. I cannot wait for the award circuit to come around early next year at the end of the, or at the end of this year. I've seen almost, I've almost reached my goal of 52 new movies. I'll have to check on where I'm at, but I know I'm over 45 at this point. And... I honestly, looking ahead at the beginning of this year, there wasn't that many movies I was really excited about, maybe only a couple. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, this has been a great year for movies. So many movies have surprised me. And admittedly, I am a little biased. Because I love movies, it'll be hard for me to hate a movie, but I've loved everything I've seen so far, and I think that trend will continue. Okay. Now the big list, the one I am personally most excited to talk about because I have not really shared this on the podcast before. This is my top five movies of all time. This doesn't mean I think they're the best five movies at all time of all time. I don't think I could really quantify what I think are the best five movies of all time because my personal biases and my favorites are always going to sneak into that list, but these are my top five favorites. These are the movies I return to time and time again that I think about frequently that when someone asks me, if you're on a desert island and you can only bring one movie, it'll be one of these movies. The honorable mention in this category is a recent watch for me, The Fablemans. It put Steven Spielberg into a whole new light, and it just sits on the cusp of my top five movies of all time. But at number five, we have The Big Short. It's a constant rewatch. It's a fast-paced, one of those historical-ish dramas that I love, uh, the Big Short, I've watched countless times. I continuously look to see what streaming service is on, what streaming service it's on, so that I can rewatch it. It's very informational. It puts the 2008 housing crisis and how it came to be in a whole different light. There's some amazing performances in it from Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. Even Brad Pitt is pretty good in this movie. It has great cameos: Selena Gomez and Margot Robbie. A constant, constant rewatch. I've said it before, These, this kind of movie, these historical-ish dramas or dramatizations of real events 
are right up my alley. I will always love these movies. I love the information I get, and I love watching the movie and then being able to go and read more about it and see where the movie was right or wrong and learn more about this historical event they're telling me about. I, I truly love it. At number four, La La Land. Damien, directed by Damien Chazelle, any of his three movies that I have seen could have fit into this top five list. Between La La Land, Whiplash, and Babylon, La La Land was the most recent one I watched, and I felt it is Damien Chazelle's best movie. It nearly won Best Picture. The way Chazelle was able to use and understand score is, I think, most perfectly shown in this movie. It's The music in the movie is almost acting as dialogue at times. It tells its own story, and it's a gorgeous movie. It's a great love story. I cannot recommend it enough. I threw it on on a whim one night recently because I was like, people have told me to watch La La Land. It's about time, and I just said, fuck it, let's do it. And I loved it. It is so much fun. It's it's a hard movie to talk about because so much of it comes down to the score. It really does. You should go watch La La Land. You may think in the first five to ten minutes, this movie's not for me. Wait it out. Trust me. I waited it out, and I was like, okay, I get it. It was about halfway through the movie where I was like, it took a turn for me. And I was like, I, I really do get it. I understand. I'm going to end up loving this movie. At number two. Oh, sorry. At number three, The Social Network. Directed by David Fincher. Written by Aaron Sorkin. What a combination those two made. David Fincher did Fight Club, Zodiac, and... The Social Network is incredible. I cannot tell you how many times I've rewatched this movie. It's so fast-paced. It's intriguing. Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield and Justin Timberlake are all great in this movie. I love the story it tells, seeing what Facebook started as, what it became, and then using that movie to think of what it is now and where they've gone. And It's another one of those historical dramatizations. These movies, having two of them in my top five is no surprise because of how much I love that style movie. Uh, There's one coming up soon, Dumb Money and the GameStop thing that I cannot wait for. And The Social Network will, uh, there's times it fluctuates. It's when I made these lists, I was like, yeah, The Social Network has to be in there. There's times it'll only be The Big Short or only The Social Network, but one of the historical drama time... But one of the historical dramatizations will always be in my top five. I have no question about that in my mind because I love this style movie. At number two, we have The Banshees of Inisherin. I saw this movie last year and this was really the movie that wanted me to, inspired me to start reviewing movies and talking about them and sharing that with other people. And you could say it's the movie that inspired me to start a podcast It's a unique and original story from Martin McDonough that absolutely blew me away. It's hard for me to quantify and to put my finger on what exactly it is. Colin Farrell in this movie is great. Brendan Gleeson is great. Barry Keegan is great. The acting performances are outstanding. The way it fully submerses you in the setting is almost breathtaking. I feel like I'm on an island off the coast of Ireland during the Irish Civil War. It's exactly how it feels. The movie 
did everything right. It's funny when it needs to be, but in a very dry way that you wouldn't expect. It's very serious. It almost builds suspense at times. I don't know how to describe the movie, if it's a comedy, if it's a drama, if it's a suspense story. It's a bit of everything, and it blends all aspects so well together. This was my hope for being a cleanup winner at the Oscars last year. Everything Everywhere All at Once ended up being that movie, but I love Banshees of Sharon because of what it meant to me. That's why that's my number two movie. At number one, my top movie, my favorite movie of all time, Kill Bill. From Quentin Tarantino, I, I have a vivid memory of, I think it was a Saturday, I was sitting at home and HBO was on TV. And a movie I had put on just ended and it was going through their little HBO ads and then a new movie started and it was Kill Bill. And I asked my mom, what is this? She's like, oh, it's Kill Bill. You haven't seen this? And I was like, no. I didn't look away from the screen for over two hours. I was hooked instantly. That fight scene with the crazy 88 when it goes to black and white blew my mind. This is arguably the movie that when I look back on it, when I say what changed, what made me a movie person and not a show person, I think Kill Bill is it. It's my favorite Tarantino movie from a long list of movies that I love, a directorial style that I love. Kill Bill is what really does it for me. And as I was making the list, the one thing I knew right away was my number one movie was going to be Kill Bill. It's after that, I went and saw every subsequent, after I watched Kill Bill at a certain point in my life, I saw every subsequent Quentin Tarantino movie in theaters because I loved his style. I loved what that movie did for me personally. And it will arguably always be my number one. I think because it has that special place in my heart, because it's a movie that I attribute to what movie made you love movies. I think Kill Bill will be my number one answer every time. With the Marvel movies, it was a slow buildup of continuously seeing the new releases in theaters. With Fablemans, it gave me a love for filmmaking. With Christopher Nolan, it was a love for these epic movies that he put together. Social Network and Big Shore, it's those historical dramatizations. But when I'm asked what movie made you love movies, it's Kill Bill. It's everything about it. Part two is great too, but the first one is almost a perfect movie in my opinion. And it's my number one movie of all time. And that's my top five movies. At number five, The Big Short. At number four, La La Land. At number three, The Social Network. At number two, The Banshees of Sharon, And at number one, Kill Bill. This was fun for me. I don't know if you had fun listening about it, but talking about these movies and sharing some insight into what movies mean to me and why they mean so much to me has been a lot of fun. It's something that I probably should have talked about much sooner on this podcast because it's clear if you listen, if you're listening, if you're just watching me on TikTok and Instagram, I love movies. I really do. And I love talking about them. It's This podcast isn't popular. It's probably only people I know listening to it, but... I'm doing it for me because I love it, because I enjoy when I get to sit here for 30 minutes and talk about movies and talk about what I am passionate about. Maybe one day it'll become something. Maybe one day it won't. Maybe this will just be a hobby I do for three, four years and then life gets in the way, but I will always enjoy talking about movies. And now I have friends and family who reach out to me and say, what movie should I watch? What do you think of this? Should I go see in theater? Should I not? What movies are coming out? And I... 
I've so invested myself in the movie, cinema, filmmaking industry now that I am having a blast. It's something that I wish I was invested more in. And I'm someone who my interests, they come and go. And when I get interested in something, I get interested into it and to the maximum possible level. But to be able to really have one that's been consistent for almost eight months now, because it was at the beginning of the year that I really started planning the podcast. And I think it was in February. I think it was in February when I released my first episode and started talking about them. But for this interest to be pretty consistent for over eight months is big for me because I have so much turnover in my hobbies. Watching movies, talking about them, and podcasting has now been a consistent one, and it means the world to me. It means the world to me to anyone who listens to me spiel about movies. I think everyone should get the AMCA list because going to movies is a fun activity. It's thought-provoking. Whoever you go with or if you go by yourself, it's almost a self-care activity. Everything about it, I think, is fun. And for 25 and change a month, you can see three movies every week. If you see two movies, it's paid for itself. Really pay attention to what movies are out there. Maybe go back and watch movies from January, February, March that are now available on streaming. Watch two from each month and say, would I have been happy seeing this in theaters? Would these six movies have been worth $75 for me? For me, it absolutely is. Maybe for some people it's not, but it's a great hobby. It's a great way to get out, to open your horizons to new things, to new stories that you may not think of. I think that's what's so great about Barbie. My number one movie this year is it opened me up to a style of thinking, while I was very cognizant of women's issues and what it meant to them, it put it in a perspective I had not thought of. The line, us mothers stay still so that you can look back and see how far you've gone. Something along those lines is brilliant. It's perfect. It's something I had not thought about and is from a movie. That's what it comes down to, my love for movies. And I mean, I spent over 30 minutes talking about 20 different movies, kind of 24 because I did honorable mentions in each category, but 20 movies that mean a lot to me that are my favorites in different categories. Maybe this time next year or for episode 50, I'll do something similar, but this has been a blast. I'm so happy you came to listen listen to me spiel about movies that I loved. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok at Sidekick Critic. Again, follow me on Letterboxd because that's where my movie watching habits are. You can see every movie I watch and you can be ready. You can watch them or you can just read about them to be ready for my next episode as I talk about these movies because I love talking about movies. I cannot stress it enough. I love it. And I love that you listen to me talk about movies. I love anyone who asks me a question about any movie. My fiance's little sister, Josie, actually texted me about the upcoming Snow White movie. And her and I had like a 15-minute conversation about the upcoming Snow White movies and tempering our expectations. And while you may not like some of the creative decisions you're hearing about, you haven't seen the movie yet. So wait and see. And that's what movies mean to me. It's everything. So thank you for being here with me. Follow me everywhere at Sidekick Critic. This has been the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I'll see you next time.